Today's guest escaped poverty and completely changed his life. He's got some tremendous insights, and I can't wait for you to hear from Peter O. Estevez. It can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. It can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. I'm your host, Josh Hatcher, and this is our interview show where we're going to dig in, ask hard questions, and learn about another man that's out there that's helping to lead the charge for men to live better lives. Not just men. He helps women as well, but this is a man who is a motivational speaker. He's a coach. This guy has changed his life in a dramatic way, and I think we can learn a lot from his story. Before we get into that, though, I want to encourage you, please... Share this episode with somebody that needs to hear it. That's all I'm going to ask you. Just share this episode with somebody else that needs to hear it. Being said, let's get right into our interview with Peter O. Estevez. Peter, it is great to have you on the Manlyhood Mancast today, my friend. I have been following the work that you're doing for uh, almost a year now, I think. And it's been really interesting to see your journey and the the people that you interact with. And I think it's definitely of interest to our guests to hear your story and, and how you've come to the place that you have today. So um, I, I hate cliches. And uh, so I hate to ever use the word rags to riches, obviously, like it just seems a little too cheap, but it, it's a pretty cool way to describe some of what's happened to you. You know, you've come from some hard times into some really awesome times. And I think your story could be really valuable for our listeners today. Josh, thank you first and foremost for allowing me to enter your space and and, and uh, for offering me to be here today. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, again, it's great to have you, my friend, and uh, looking forward to hearing your journey and your story and uh, your insights onto the world, man. So, thank you so maybe much. you could... Maybe we could start there. Tell me about your story. Who are you? How uh, how did you get to this place that you're at today? Well, you know, uh, I was originally born in Mexico City. I am one of 13 children. Uh, my family, my parents migrated to the United States when I was 10 years old. And we migrated to San Antonio, Texas. My father was a blue collar worker, had a third grade education. My mother had a sixth grade education. I often say we were not poor, we were poor, poor, poor. And I often also say that, you know, we were so poor that uh, I could not afford a dream. You know, my parents uh, brought us to a two bedroom, one bathroom home where the boys slept in the living room in sleeping bags and the girls slept in the secondary bedroom in bunk beds. And the other bedroom was for mom and dad. And, you know, my father worked um, odd jobs, you know, sometimes self-employed, sometimes he hustled whatever he needed to hustle. You know, uh, I, I often say that, that, that poor people, immigrants are entrepreneurs by default, and most of us don't even know it. You know, <laughs> uh, we invented the side hustle before it was popular with Gary Vee. 
you know? Uh, right. It, 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 you know, the side hustle was not a side hustle. It was a skill for survival. And, 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 and I learned all of that from my parents, you know? Um, you know, there was a lot of dysfunction in my home. Uh, everything from sexual abuse to emotional abuse to poverty, uh, lack of education, lack of resources. But one thing I got to say about my parents, you know, in spite of all the, the dysfunction that was in the permeated in my home, there was a lot of faith, a lot of belief, a lot of drive, a lot of hard work, a lot of grid. And I took that as a very young boy watching and observing what was my surroundings. And I knew very early on that I did not want to repeat that cycle. I did not want to stay where my parents were at. I'm not looking down at my parents or looking down at that community. I just knew that there was something better out there, you know? And believe me, you know, I grew up in a generation that, that social media was not prevalent. You know, Google was not prevalent. YouTube was not prevalent. You know, so what we saw was our immediate surroundings and whatever we were fed through the radio or television. Okay. And the reality is that we were not, uh, we were not overexposed to luxury, you know, because even, even, you know, uh, culturally you were, you're, you, you, you are attracted to whatever your culture believes. Right. So my mom watched her telenovelas and her Spanish television and the radio television. And that really at the time, the programming was not much to speak of, you know, it, it was basically a permeation of, 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 of the culture that, that kept you uh, ignorant. It kept you sheltered. It kept, it kept you away from, from, from knowing what's out there, what was beyond our immediate world. And uh, so I started, you know, there was no role models as we speak of today, but I, I also saw many models in my childhood that I did not want to repeat. You know, I saw the drunken uncle. I saw the dysfunctional brother. I saw the broken neighbor. I saw all of those things in my neighborhood, you know, uh, and, 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 and when you wake up every morning with this sense of fear of an insecurity and your nervous system is out of balance, you don't know how to react to the world, uh, you're almost gun shy for lack of a better word. And that was kind of, uh, that was kind of the world that I grew up in. You know, uh, so I knew I didn't want any of that. And, 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 and very quickly, uh, uh, I learned to become a chameleon. I learned to become resourceful. I learned that, you know, by the age of 10, 11 years old, I was doing the side hustle. You know, I was mowing lawns. I was painting houses. I was had a paper route. You know, by the age of 13, 14, I started working at the local restaurant and then at the local grocery store. By the age of 16, 17, I had a couple of jobs just because I was tired of the hand-me-downs from, you know, when you're one of, one, one of seven boys, okay, uh, and you're the middle child of 13, you know, you get a lot of hand-me-downs, you know, including girls' clothes that, you know, uh, we call it unisex today. Well, back then was not unisex and it was not fashionable. You know, you were just a goofy, dorky immigrant kid that couldn't speak English. And that's who I was. And the reality was that all those titles, all those tags that I just named was what really inspired me to become better, to do better, to be better and not to serve better. I mean, obviously, there's going to be so many barriers in that situation for a young man trying to come into his own. Did you find things like prejudice or things that that held you back that you had to overcome? 
I'm not sure that they held me back. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that what I realized is, and, and, and as I speak to, the, to, to you about this, Josh, it's not that they held me back, it's that they put me in a state of awareness, okay? They, 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 they you know, uh, as a young boy, you know, one of 13, one of the youngest, and, and, and you know, there was, uh, what, uh, six or seven children uh, uh, older than me, right? Uh, six children older than me. So I was I was watching what they were experiencing. I was watching what they were doing. Obviously, we we moved to San Antonio, Texas, which was a heavily military town. At the time, they had six or seven military bases. Okay. So the pride of America and the pride of being American was very prevalent in that in, in that city. And there was because of that proudness, there was also a lot of discrimination even among the Latin community that, 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 that there were first or second generation Americans, you know, they, they had suffered the blunt of the discrimination. So they obviously didn't spoke Spanish at home. They didn't, you know, there, there, there was no, uh, there was no affiliation to their heritage, to the, to, 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 to their home country. You know, they had completely detached themselves from. So obviously, yeah, I, I, we sure did. You know, I, you know, there, there, there was a very common word called, went back, uh, mojado, uh, which was for somebody that, that, that was presumed to have walked uh, across the river. Well, I didn't cross the river on foot. You know, I crossed the river on a vehicle with my mom and dad and, and my other siblings, but I was still considered a wetback. You know, we lived in a corner house, the corner of Bangor and Hillcrest, and our home was after graffiti by, by kids in the neighborhood that saw us at less than as, you know, so yes, you know, there, I, I was, I, I was for a long time in limbo. I was at a crossroad where I was not an American, but I was no longer a Mexican because I didn't live in my country anymore. And I was in, in a sense, I had to find myself renouncing my country, renouncing my culture, renouncing my beliefs, renouncing everything that I was social conditioned to believe too. Okay. So I, that was on the outside world, but then I came into those four walls of that 900 square foot frame home. And I saw my mom listening to Spanish radio, watching Spanish television, speaking to us in Spanish. There was a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion. Okay. My mom was not being, uh, my, 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 my mom was not being acculturated to the new country she was living in, you know, yet she wanted the American dream for her children, but she did not know how to adapt to it. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there was a lot of struggles. There was a struggles in the way that, that, that I'm facing to, to try to become, to be part of, but I don't look like them. I don't speak like them. I don't sound like them. Okay. So what does a chameleon do? What does somebody that has no resources do? You become resourceful. Okay. So I changed my name from Pedro, my birth name to Peter. So I started doing the little isms, the little, the, 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 the little things that we do as kids. Okay. When we're young and innocent and we're not, we're not scared. We just do what we do. Right. And, and, and changed my name, started talking like the guys, even if they rejected me, I followed them. I tag along and I became part of instead of apart from. And that was probably one of my greatest assets to be able to integrate myself into the culture, even though I was being rejected. And as I, I as I accepted, and, and that's probably one of the greatest lessons in anything in life. Okay, sometimes the rejection the rejection comes from within us. Within us, we if we are rejecting ourselves, we are not going to be accepted in whatever society, community, circle we want to belong to. Okay, but we are fully confident and we feel part of and whole and complete. Then it's easier for people to see and feel that confidence in you to accept you 
okay, to at least pause and say, who is this guy? Who is this gal? What are they about? And that's what I did. I didn't realize at the time that I was that I was doing. I was a young 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old boy, but that chameleon personality, what I had watched my dad do with a side hustle, what I had seen my mom do with her prayers, what I had seen the dysfunction that I saw my brothers and sisters were going through, the rejection, the hardships, the fight, the fixed fights that my brothers were doing to defend their honor, to defend their culture. Fuck my culture. I need to defend myself. I needed to figure out how to fit in in that community. I didn't need to be defending the old country that was not there to support me. I needed to support the country that I was coming into. That is exactly the attitude that I took as a very young boy. Yeah. Well, and there's, I think that there's, there are ways to still preserve and honor the culture without letting it completely hold you apart. You know, I, I, the old word they used to, to, to use was assimilation, you know, and I think people are, were offended. So I don't know what word they use now or if they've abandoned the concept, but you know, you're in a new culture, you know? And so learning that culture and, and relating to that culture is a good thing, you know, and we have a culture that it's supposed to be accepting, you know? And although I think, you know, when you talk about that 10, 11 year old, <laughs> I don't think any 10 or 11 year old, you know, it, it's probably high school before anybody accepts anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. But but the reality is, the reality is that when you grow up in a, an environment that you, it's almost a heightened environment, right? You wake up, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like a worsen, right? So you wake up, you become more alert, okay? So yeah, you, you're not, a, I, you know, I wore my first pair of blue jeans, Josh, when I was a senior in high school and a t-shirt, Rolling Stones t-shirt. And the only reason I wore that is because my buddies will not allow me, will not take me, will not go with me to a concert unless I wore blue jeans and a t-shirt. We're gonna go see the, the, the Rolling Stones in Dallas. Okay, we're gonna drive in San Antonio, Dallas. And they said, you're not going unless you wear a pair of blue jeans. I never worn a pair of blue jeans because my parents could not afford to buy me a pair of blue jeans because my, my parents only bought at Goodwill or, or, or Salvation Army. And what I got is either something that they found there at a good price that fit me or a hand-me-down for one of my siblings that could no longer wear it. Okay. But here I am in high school and I'm, I want to go to a concert. So yeah, I had to become assimilated. And, 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 and the reality is that if we don't pursue the American dream, I cannot bring my Mexican beliefs into the American dream and think it's going to work for me, okay? I have to believe the, the beliefs of that culture. I have to become acculturated to that culture. And I think that was where the conflict was being. You know, I didn't come to pursue the Mexican dream. My parents didn't come to pursue the Mexican dream. They came to pursue the American dream. So we needed to become American in every aspect of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that at some point I didn't, uh, today, I, I love, I appreciate my culture, and it stopped me tremendously. But I needed to, I needed to make that crossover. Okay, I needed to transition. I needed to become, in order for me to be able to assimilate and take back that knowledge, that wisdom, that experience, that success back to my country, back to my community. That's the only way I can help them. I cannot help my community by staying ignorant. At that point, Ign- another number. Ignorant is a is a good word because I mean I, it has its own set of connotations. But to say that I want to understand so that I can adapt instead of just 
you know, like you, like the, the difference maybe between a chameleon or a person who's putting on a mask, you know, you know, the chameleon adapts to the situation, sure. but you know, the mask is just a mask, you know, sure. but the chameleon it's in his skin. I mean, that's who he is. He learns to adapt and adjust and relate to his environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and you know, all those traits, although, although, and I go back, I go back to saying, you know, my, my father didn't sit down and teach me and say, Peter, you become a chameleon. No, but I watched my dad. I watched my dad get up every single morning, you know, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, hit the pavement to go hustle some money so he could support 13 children and put a roof over, over our heads and or buy food in the refrigerator, do all those things that a, a parent should do. You know, a lot of parents think of it as a badge of honor, right? That's not, you know, if you choose that responsibility, this is a responsibility you got to commit yourself to, right? It's not a badge of honor, but a lot of, a, a lot of fathers, a lot of mothers, a lot of parents think, think it's a badge of honor if you do that. Well, you know, uh, uh, my parents, uh, uh, you know, my parents, I, I, I believe, you know, the lack of education, their cultural beliefs, their own self-limitations uh, allowed them to put themselves in a, in a circumstances by having children, children, that was more that, that detrimental to them than, that, that, than it was. But that was, that was part of the belief system they had inherited. Okay, mm-hmm. that was part of the culture, the religious beliefs, social conditioning, uh, uh, generational cycles of beliefs that had been transferred to them. Okay, but somebody at some point has to stop and look back and say, "Wow, this is not working." You know, this has been going on for two, three hundred years. Okay, how do we break it? How do we break that cycle? Okay, how do we make sure that this generation moving forward is educated? Okay, instead of having hand me downs is able to afford a good quality of life. Instead of living in a 900 square foot hood with 20 children, maybe have one or two. It's a matter of education. It's not a religious belief. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a culture belief. It's a matter of education. And those conversations were not had when my parents were growing up. Okay. They just thought that they went out to the world and that God gave them a kid, you know, and another kid and another kid and another kid and another kid. You know, and, and, you know, I'm sure that God was not out there, uh, you know, distributing kids uh, to every family household for them to be poor and ignorant. That's not the way it is. But that was a belief system that needed to be broken. And I chose to broke it in my family, at least in my immediate cycle. So moving forward, the children that I bring into the world can be productive members of society and are able to provide and contribute to the totality of the world that they live in, not just for themselves, but for the whole. So at what point in your journey then did you, I mean, when did you learn that there's more for you? I mean, you talked about, you started to see it as a kid, you started to make those adjustments in the way that you related with others. When did that make a difference for you? What happened What happened next? Yeah, uh, Josh, that's a, that's a really good question because really, the first thing that I wanted to do, I thought that the answer to all of my problems was money. I saw that the lack of resources, the poverty, the clothes, I only looked at the material things. I thought that that was a dysfunction of my home. Okay. And then I thought, if I can only make money, then I can, everything will change. Well, it, it, I went out and what I was pursuing was financial and material success. That's what I was pursuing. 
I thought if I just had the different house, if I have money in the bank, if I have a different kind of car, if I move into a different neighborhood, if I get a different kind of wife, you know, I, you know, I was only pursuing the material things. I was running away from where I came from without a clear goal of changing as a human being. I just wanted to change my circumstances. Okay. And you know what? The reality is a lot of times that's what we need to do. Okay. Get out of there and then fix yourself. Right. Okay. So, you know, I, 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 uh, at the age of, I was in high school, senior high school, my high school buddy, the same buddy I went to the concert with, he and I opened up our first restaurant. We had a, a Mexican restaurant together. It went well. And then I opened up a second restaurant and then that flop. And then, uh, you know, I found myself in limbo and then I got into the real estate business and I carve a very good niche in the same community that I was running away from. Okay. Mm. I discover that my culture was a tremendous asset that my, my belief system, the understanding of my language was a tremendous asset. So I started marketing to the low-income affordable housing market sector in San Antonio, Texas. And within a very short period of time, within, you know, by the age of 24, I was a millionaire. I was buying, selling, rehabbing, fixing, acquiring hundreds of properties per year, somewhere in the neighborhood of two to 300 properties per year. So very quickly, I found the financial success that I was seeking from. But what I realized was that everywhere I went, there I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, I kept taking that broken little boy, that 10 year old immigrant that went back, that sexually abused boy into the boardroom into the marriage, into the relationships, into the partnerships. And whenever that little boy felt uncomfortable, what that little boy did was drink, was become promiscuous, chase women, buy a new car, buy a new tie, buy a new suit. I kept looking for oxide gratification because I thought that was the answer to all of my problems. And as a result of that, I ended up sabotaging my relationships. You know, you cannot be a 24, 25, 30, 40 year old man with a 10 year old mentality. And I, I, I took that scarcity mindset into the boardroom. I took that, that, that fear, that imposter syndrome. I took that, that I'm not worthy, the fear, that insecurities, that I'm less than into everywhere I went. And I try to disguise it anytime anybody approached me by having another cocktail before you knew it, I was a drunk. I was an alcoholic and I was sabotaging everything I was building. Okay. So, you know, in, in, in many years into my career, uh, I met at the time who I thought was a woman of my dreams, who, who is a mother of my son, Alec Andre. And, and I thought she would be my forever and ever. Right. And, uh, and she was a, she was one of the many people that have pointed out my, my, my issues with alcohol. And uh, uh, when she did that, when she pointed it out to me, uh, I didn't want to lose what I was building, right? I didn't want to lose a house. I didn't want to lose a white picket fence. I didn't want to lose a portion of the driveway. I didn't want to lose my six-month-year-old kid, right? And uh, she gave me an ultimatum. She says, if you do something about your drinking or I'm out of here, I don't need to put up with this. It was the first woman that have actually told me that. Others had just left. Others had just sabotaged the relationship or we sabotaged the relationship. But she always, she told me this, I don't need you, okay? Uh, I, I, and I don't need this for my children. She had two other children from a previous marriage. So I could see her point of view. 
I could see that. And, I, and, and for a second, I had enough clarity to realize that I was repeating the same cycle of behaviors that I was running away from. They were just mass different. Okay, they just had a different appearance. You know, my parents' dysfunction was in a 900 square foot home. Mine wasn't a 14,000 square foot home. My parents' dysfunction was, you know, my father being a blue, blue collar worker. I had a, a I had built a, a sizable enterprise, uh, but the dysfunction, the mindset, the belief system was still the same. I had not changed any. I had just changed locations. Okay, now what I needed to do was to do the work. Entering to Alcoholics Anonymous and working a 12-step program was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, okay? But the work does not end there because Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12-step program only teaches you how to stop drinking, only guides you, leads you to live a life of sobriety. But what is sobriety? What is sobriety? Sobriety is you stop the drink. What is recovery, which is a 12-step program? Toaster program is you live a life that teaches you how to abstain from alcohol, how to do the internal work. I call it is the transformation of the mind, soul, body, and spirit. It's when you really look deep within yourself and see what's really wrong with you. What is the cause and what is the cause of the effect and of the actions? What is it that is taking place within you? Start peeling the onion. Start discovering who you are and why you do what you do. That is the only way that you can tear down the negative actions and behaviors that we all have adopted from wherever they came from. So when I started doing that work, a lot of my life began to change. And it began to change because I started looking into myself and I started looking cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. If I do this, this is going to happen. Okay. But I needed to dig a little deeper. And that is something that recovery does not give you. Okay. If I do this, this is going to happen. What recovery doesn't give you is why do I do this? Okay. And I discover that in the personal development space. That is why I'm so big into personal development. That's why I have created the podcast and I have interviewed some of the greatest thought leaders from across the world because I am fascinated with their mindset, with their thoughts, with their beliefs, and with the work that they've done to be able to reach the highs that they have. And I knew that, that I knew. That, 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 that every face of ourselves requires a different us, okay? So at every junction of my life, I have reached a level that has a tipping point. And when I reach that tipping point, it's time for me to move on and recreate myself and adapt to that new environment, which is what 99% of the people don't do. They become comfortable, Okay. They become comfortable not because it's comfortable in the comfortable zone. It's simply because it's knowing. And we have a fear of entering something new. That scares us more than being in the pile of shit that we're stepping on. And, and, yeah. I, knew, and I knew that my mindset was still that pile of shit. I needed to break that mindset and recreate a new mindset in order for me to be able to elevate myself to new heights. I was not going to be able to continue growing and evolving and changing and having any kind of impact if I can continue with the same belief system that got me to where it got me. Yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in that place where, okay, I've gotten this far, I've gotten better. You know, it's behavior modification. You know, I've, I've modified the behavior. You know, I think of the idea of 
you know, you got a habit you need to break and you want to become more aware of when you have the temptations, you put a rubber band around your wrist and you snap the rubber band to give yourself a jolt of pain to remind you not to go down that route, which has a value, right? I mean, there's value in behavior modification, but if you don't fix what's in here, you're just going to go back or replace it with another destructive habit, you know? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Josh, so, so I get sober. I worked my journey of recovery for two years. I moved from San Antonio, Texas to the woodlands right north of Houston, and I become healed. Two years into recovery, I'm not drinking anymore. I kept the wife. I kept the car. I kept the house. You know, I have a son. He's a couple of years old now. So life is good. So I stopped working my program of recovery. And, and, but I have not done any of the internal work. I have not done the work. I have not, I had not rebuilt my foundation. And what I realized after a while, in 2008, my life shifted. A lot of people's life shifted. We have one of the worst recessions that we have experienced in our generation, you know, and, and my mom passes away. My father passes away six months after that. My wife asked me for a divorce in the middle of this. I lose a lot of my business and a lot of my assets. I find myself one more time broken, broken. Okay. I found myself in the same scarcity mindset that I had always been in and I kept running away from. But now my scarcity, my poverty was not financial wealth. It was emotional well-being. I did not know how to react to the current circumstances that were happening to me. I was not conditioned to deal with the person that I was. And I had continued getting drunk. The only difference was that I was not drinking alcohol. You know, and I realized that I don't need alcohol to get drunk or drugs to get high. I can get drunk or get high on lying, cheating, deceiving, controlling, manipulating, womanizing, stealing, whatever, whatever. Okay. And what I needed to do was to break that mindset that got me drunk because when I alter my state of mind to feel better temporarily, I do things that I would normally not do any under circumstances. And I needed to learn what that problem was. I truly believe that as human beings, we operate <clears throat> from what I call the five pillars, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and the financial. And when and we operate, every single one of us has to do that because we operate in a universe with all those things are connected to one another. and They're part of each of us being. So when I am able to learn to take care of the physical, the mental, the emotional, <laughs> the spiritual, and the financial, I am no longer in a survival mood. I exit that mode and I enter a state of being. I enter a single state of consciousness. I don't time travel where I'm worrying about the past or the future. I am here in the present and in the now. And when I'm here in the present and the now, I'm able to have the clarity to see the world for what it is. And I'm able to make decisions without fear, without insecurity, without imposter syndrome. Nothing blocks me. Nothing deviates me. Okay? Because I'm operating as a multisensory being. What is a multisensory being? I don't operate from five senses. I operate from all senses. 
okay, from my gut, from my feelings, from emotion, from everything, because I am a being that lives in a universe that the old systems no longer operate. So this may be complete gibberish to some of your audience, but the reality is the world has changed and, and, and effectively it's a different world. And we need to look at it that way. We need to learn from other people if our life is in the shits is because what we're doing is not working. If our life is in the shits, it's a result of our daily patterns. Change your patterns, change your life. I had to change my patterns. I had to change my thinking in order to change my life. You know, so here I am facing the middle of a crisis, 2008 economic recession. My mother dies. My wife asked me for divorce. I lose a lot of money. I shut down my businesses. My father passes away six months later. And I'm fine. I am left alone raising a seven-year-old boy. So I am not only broken, but now a broken man is raising a little boy. And my little boy that went from seeing this American life, the white picket fence, everything I was chasing, I had created for him, now was gone. It was swept from under his feet. Okay. And, and one day I'm, a, I'm at a recovery meeting and, and I get multiple calls from him. And after I answer the phone, I call after the meeting, meeting ended and I answer the call and he says, I hate my life. I hate you. I hate my mother and I want to die. Mm. What I realized for the very first time in my life was that I was recreating the same generational cycle just in a different way that I was running away from that's not changed anything. The only thing I had done was stop drinking. Had I built a solid foundation, would I tended to those five pillars on each and every day on a daily basis? I would be able to think with clarity. I would be able to behave with clarity. I would be able to do this to take care of myself and take care of my family or take care of others. And I was not doing that because I was not taking care of myself in the way that I should be taking. I went back. I picked up my son. We went for a long ride and I made a commitment to him that I would do for him anything and everything that I could to make sure that he would become a healthy, prosperous member of society. Today, my son is a junior at Oklahoma State University. He has a 4.0 grade average. He's on the leans of the president's list. He is uh, looking for grad schools and, uh, and, and, and he's a healthy fit, uh, productive member of society, doing an internship and doing everything. Why? What change? What change? I changed. What was the hardest part of that change for you? Well, I think the hardest part of the change for me uh, was facing my own demons, facing my own inadequacies, Facing my own uh, character defects and my shortcomings, okay, uh, and then destroying them. You know, the reality is that everything I listed, you know, our demons, our character defects, our shortcomings, a lot of times they become survival skills, okay, until they don't. Mm -hmm. That's the point that they work against you no longer in your favor. Maybe that was okay when I was 12, 14, 16 years old, but those same skills cannot work today, you know, as an adult, as a, as a man. So, you know, uh, that was the hardest thing. And I think a lot of times, I, I, you know, that's why I say 
uh, every face of ourselves requires a different us. I cannot operate with the same operating system that I operated 10 years ago. Okay, especially in a world where we are fed 50,000 sound bites of information on a daily basis. We're in our life, we're in a week, we get more information than our parents and grandparents receive in an entire lifetime. We process an information at such a fast rate that if we're not watching or listening, or we don't have clarity, we are yanks of years behind. How can you have clarity if you're not living here in the present and in the now? If you're worrying about paying your rent, or worrying about how you're gonna put your child through college or worrying about this or worrying about that, okay? The reality is that if you take time to take care of yourself, you have time to take care of others. But it, has, it, starts, it, it starts with you. You know, even when we get in an airplane, when I, they give us takeoff instructions to sell to put the mask first before you put on a child, there's a reason for that. If you don't have oxygen, you can't save anyone. I think this is hard for a lot of men in particular because we want to be tough. We want to be strong. We want to do it ourselves. And sometimes you may need a little help to work through that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that point up because I had a harder life than I should have because I believed that I had to be tough because I had to be macho because I had to be, I couldn't tell anybody my weaknesses. So I drank them away. Okay. That was not being tough. That was running away from my from from my problems and making them worse, creating a greater disaster, not only for myself, but for those around me. What you resist persists. And the reality is that we face our demons, wherever they are, it's easier to work through them and get through the other side. But if we avoid them, they just keep festering. They're going to wear you down. They're going to tire you down. If they're not going to go anywhere, anywhere unless you address them, okay? How do you do that? How do you tend to your five pillars? You know, it, 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 it's, 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 it, you know, and it sounds like this magical process. You know, everybody has everybody has a different program. You know, uh, my good friend Robin Charman has a five a.m. club, right? Um, you know, there's there's different. You know, there's different uh, programs available out there, but the reality is that that in the course of the last 12 years, 13 years that I've been working on personal development for myself, for myself, this is not something, you know, for myself, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a guru, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I have a podcast, I do that on a passion and out of a legacy building process in order to be able to serve my community, in order to be able to go back, to go back and to give that young Peter, those young Peters in, 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 in the communities that I grew up in, that hope, those young Peters like me that didn't have a mentor, well, today we know what a mentor is. But not only do we know what a mentor is, we have access to them. We have cyber access to them. Everything I didn't have when I was growing up has been democratized, demonetized, and digitized. So you have access to all the information that I wish I would have had when I was 10 years old, okay, they can listen to your podcast and learn. They can listen to multiple uh, libraries of podcasts that are available, ebooks that are available, YouTube channels that are available. So uh, you, we have to be able to create the, li- the life that we want. We can even do that cyberly. 
We can do that. If you really want something, you got to give up what's not working for you and in exchange, start adapting what is working for someone else that you desire. Okay. And if you don't have access to, 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 to the thought leaders that you want in your life in person, you have access through them through cyberspace. You're able to follow them on social media. Stop following that twerking bullshit. Okay. Stop wasting your time watching videos of, 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 of ghetto fights in the neighborhood. Stop doing whatever is not, it's not bringing value to your mindset. Okay. If it's not bringing value to your mindset, it's not really bringing value to your heart set. If you're not happy, you're not going to grow. Okay. So if you tend to the, the five pillars, the physical exercise, exercise, well, I don't have time. Well, instead of taking the elevator, take the stairs instead of, you know, instead of, uh, 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 you know, staying at your desk during lunch, go for a quick 15 minute walk. Okay. Compound exercise compounds, just like interest in bank. The more you do it, you know, if you walk a mile a day, you walk 365 miles in a year. How many marathons is that? You know, 10, 15 marathons that you can run. Okay. So, uh, so physical exercise, mental, what do you do for your mental health? How do you take care of yourself? You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of our mental issues have to do with the relationships that we have in our lives with the things that we watch. Okay. Are you curating your social media? Are you curating your Netflix movies? Are you curating the television that you're watching? Are you currently, are you creating bondage with people that irritate you, they agitate you, that bring unhealthy value into your life? Get rid of those. Okay. What do you do for spiritually? Okay. And a lot of people think that, that you know, I personally meditate. Okay. You know, uh, 15, 20 minutes of, of, of silence each and every day. Or a visualization, if I want something to be manifested in my life, I visualize what I want in silence for 15, 20 minutes, okay? What do I do for the emotional? Am I a good person? Am I being of service? You know, am I, you know, why, why do I come in your, on your podcast without asking what, how many followers or how many, why? Because I have a responsibility to spread the message. And if I'm able to reach one person in your community that I'm able to serve, then my message resonates with, I done my job. That's service work. That is service work. How do I take care of my financial issues? Number one, I don't spend more than I earn. Okay. Number two, I watch what I do. Okay. I watch everything that I do. And, 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 and I, I, I live a, a, a life that is balanced. So if I'm balancing those areas, okay, if I balance in those five pillars, I'm able to operate from a, from a single state of consciousness. I have clarity. You know, the average person works up and wake up late, hungover, rushing out the window, uh, at the door, they rush out the door, they spill the coffee in their shirt, they jump in their car, okay, they forgot their wallet or their briefcase, whatever, they take off, they pass a red light, they get a ticket, they get to work, they come out of work, they have a flat tire. Their whole day is fucked up. Why? Because they created negative energy, they created negative actions in their life. You know, and I know to a lot, especially men, especially men, okay, they believe, oh, this is woo-woo, this is bullshit. Well, how are things turning out for you? You know, the first inventory we always got to take is ours. Unfortunately, most of us 
take everybody else's inventory before you take your own. I think you have given some excellent advice here and a lot of things to chew on. I think we may have to have you come on the podcast again in the future because I think we may have some more things to unpack. (laughs) But I do have a couple of questions that I want to ask you. And you kind of hinted at this a little bit ago. Um, So let's say that, you know, that young Pedro walks in the room and you've got the opportunity to speak into his life and to tell him what he needs to hear. What are you going to tell him? I think the first question is, I would ask him, what do you want to be now? You know, I think a lot of times we deter children from becoming who they are because we ask them what they want to be in the future. Well, what the fuck? They don't know what they want to be in the future. Their mind is going to change a hundred different times. Okay. So what do you want to be now? Okay. I told my son when I recommitted myself as a father that he only had two jobs to be a kid and be happy and to do well in school. And that really should be the responsibility of the 10-year-old Pedro. Okay? If that 10-year-old Pedro or John or Josh or Mary or Helen or Katie only worry about being happy and doing well in school, encourage their life to model what they want out of life, you know, in life, we got to have three goals. Where are we going to be now? How to fill the gap to get where we want to be in the future. And how to arrive in the future. Those are, should be those three goals. Okay? A lot of people only focus on the goal. Even on vision boards, we only say, well, I want that mansion on the ocean, right? I want the house on the mountain. But we don't realize that if we keep doing the same thing that we're doing now, we are never going to bridge that gap to be able to reach that, right? So we have to set the goal of how we're going to operate on a daily basis. Because how we operate on a daily basis is how we're able to move towards the future. If you don't have clarity, if you don't have peace, if you don't have serenity, if you're constantly living in a state of survival, If you are not able to transition into thinking and operating from a single state of consciousness, where you're not time traveling from the future, worrying about the past and worrying about the future, but being present here and now, you will never have the clarity to do that. So first of all, what do you want to do now? Okay. Who do you want to be now? And then what are you doing on a daily basis to do that? Okay. And then who do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? this well how do you what are you doing on a daily basis to get there if they tell me well you know i don't know i don't do anything well why don't you create a model just just a pretend model why don't you just start by following 10 people that uh that that are what you want to be in 10 years from now why don't you start doing one single thing that each one of them does on a daily basis Why don't you go follow them on their YouTube channel? Why don't you go follow them on Instagram? Why don't you eliminate anything that brings you negative energy into your life, including your parents, including your siblings, including your friends at school? uh, Young Pedro learned to become a chameleon, but at a very heavy price of alcoholism because he he didn't know how how to exert all of that. Today, I know how to be happy. 
I don't have to be a chameleon. I just have to be me. I don't have to be a wannabe. All I have to be is me. Okay. But I do have to have a goal who I want to become like. And that's why I bring thought leaders from across the world to be in my podcast, because it's something about them that I know concern me and concern my community. I hope I answered that question. You answered it very well. That's really, really good stuff, man. <laughs> Next question is this. What is your best advice that you have for the men that are listening today? You know, I typically say that my best advice is to be honest, be kind, and be the best that you can be. But a lot of times we don't know how to be that if we've never been, right? And I think that for the men that are struggling with anything in life, and life is challenging, especially especially today after COVID, right? We 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 are in high we are in high and alert. You know, there's a lot of uh, nervousness going around us. Okay, start taking care of yourself. Start taking care of yourself. Make small changes. You know, if you're, you know, we a lot of us wants to change our life from one day to the other, and with things don't change, we give up and we go back into the old habits. But tackle one small thing in your life that you can do. Incremental changes, incremental changes compound to big changes in life. Take four minutes out of your life each and every day. Do a self-inventory. See what is it that you want to change. And then take another four minutes to do something about that. That's probably the best advice I can give you. You know, I know that the be honest, be kind, be the best it can be, can be a little redundant, especially today when you're living in crisis when you are worried about a lot of things, but if you take care of yourself, if you make one small change, don't take care of the five pillars, take care of one. And the next week, take care of the other. And then the following week, take care of the other. And then the following, take care of the other. And when you feel small changes, especially one, I think one of the most impactful things that we can do to ourselves to get all the rushes that we look for in alcohol and drugs and stress, because even a stress can be addicting, okay? And shopping, and pornography, and sex, and whatever, it's exercise. You get an immediate rush of dopamine, serotonin, okay? You get a natural high that changes your complete disposition, your day, everything about you throughout the rest of your day. So if you start something with moving, small moving, small moving, you know, um, um, Mel Robbins right now has a has a has a big movement going on. In fact, she just started it uh, with uh, Brandon Burchard. It's about give yourself five in front of the mirror. I know it sounds really silly, sounds really 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 silly. But I was working out this morning. I gave myself a five after I finished my workout. Okay, we are quick to give others a high five, but we are never quick enough to give ourselves praise and admiration and respect an acknowledgement for what we do in the struggles and the successes that we go through each and every day. So take five minutes to acknowledge yourself. Give yourself a high five in the mirror before you go to work. Say, I'm great. I'm going to have a great day. Here's my high five. Notice, notice that it will change the rest of your day and the rest of your life possibly. I like that. Excellent advice. So the guys that are really intrigued with what you're talking about today. They want to follow you, your podcast. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you and to, to stay in tune with what you're doing? Josh, first and foremost, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for such a candid conversation. I'm not sure it was more of a conversation. It was more of a 
uh, of a monologue than it was a conversation. My apologies if I've hogged the stage for you. Um, but but thank you so much. Uh, I am everywhere in social media. Uh, my handles are Peter O. Estevez. My podcast transitioned from the Coming Clean podcast to the Peter O. Estevez show. Uh, so if you look for my handle, I'm also doing the first ever uh, uh, Latin Leadership and Personal Development Summit ever. I partnered up with Tim Story and Selena Balasan, and we're having our first summit November 13, uh, 2021 is the first one. And we talk about the five pillars. We talk about how to break this uh, generational cycles of behavior, um, money blocks, uh, scarcity mindset. Uh, and and uh, we have in the first one, November 13. The second one is uh, January 15. And the main event is February 24th through the 26th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, and I encourage you, uh, I have a, a site to register. It's completely free. No charge at all whatsoever. Uh, at excelenteevent.com. Excelente is E-X-L-E-C-E-N-T-E event event.com and if you go to my social media to my instagram the link is there it's available at peter o estevis at peter o estevis or my facebook group at peter o estevis awesome no and no need to apologize for uh you telling your story and your journey honestly that's why people tune in <laughs> to my interview podcast because they want to hear your story. So I have appreciated, I have appreciated listening to your journey, the things that you've learned along the way. And uh, it's funny when we started this conversation, you said, Oh, well, if it get, you know, usually we kind of set like a rough time frame and said, usually if it gets longer than that, it might get a little redundant. No, I think we could talk for probably four more hours. So like I said, I'll probably be in touch. Let's book another appearance later on in the year and, uh, <laughs> and talk some more. It, Josh. Happy to do it. Okay. Awesome. All right. I, I, Thank you so I really much. appreciate you. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Peter, I really appreciate the time that you took with us today. And I hope that we can learn from the things that you're sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen, if you want to grow as a man, I want to encourage you. Join the Manlyhood Man Cave. It's our private Facebook group for men where we build each other up. I want to see you level up. I want to see you grow. I want to see you become a better man, and I want to help you do it. But I don't want it to just be about me. It's about a movement. It's about all of us. Let's band together as a holy warrior tribe that encourages, that builds up, that teaches, that holds accountable so that we can grow and we can be better men together. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you. I love you. I care about you. I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. Cast.